going through my Bible reading. So every year I read through the Bible at least once. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit behind on Acts. So I've been reading Acts in chunks. And I've quite enjoyed reading it in chunks because you get a big sweep. If you've never done it, you should take one of the books of the Bible and you should read the whole Bible, the whole book in one sitting. Um, you'll be amazed. The biggest books may, might take a couple of hours, but it probably won't take you much longer than that. Um, but it's really good to get the grand sweep and overview of what Scripture is saying. And as I was reading through, I was challenged by, by a couple of things that I just wanted to mention this morning. The first is that when you look at the church in Acts, so I'm talking about Acts, when you look at the church in Acts, it was a church that exploded. You know, I mean, on the day of Pentecost, they get up and 3,000 people turn to Christ. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? 3,000 people. And they turned to Christ because they heard each of these guys speaking in a different language. And the people who heard it were all from different countries. And they said, hey, they're praising God in my language. Oh, yeah, and in mine. Oh, and in mine. And then he preached, shared about who Jesus was, what Jesus did, what that means, and people turned to God. And later on, it becomes 5,000. And then it says daily, God added to the people. And I, I asked myself, I said, Lord, why does this not happen today? I don't know anywhere where that is happening. Although I actually, to, to probably China and places in India are seeing that to a degree in the underground church. Uh, there are probably other countries that I don't know about, some of the stand countries that are all Muslim, where those things are happening. But isn't it surprising that in today's age, where we've got churches in, in every locality, that we're not seeing any of this? And, and I've been greatly perplexed by that and said, God, what is missing in terms of of our impact into the community and seeing the gospel change people. Because I, I want to see that. I don't know about you, but I want to see people turning to Jesus. Not because I want to see our seats filled, but I want to see hell emptied. You know, it, it's not a popular doctrine now where some people will say hell does not exist. And they say God is a God of love and he wouldn't send anybody to hell. But let me tell you, the guy in the Bible who spoke most about hell was Jesus himself. And it is not a pleasant place. And there are millions, billions of people who without Christ will go to that eternity. And, and, and I want a church and to be part of a church that is effective. And I'm saying, Lord, what is missing in terms of what we're doing? And, and part of that is what I want to share this morning. And the title for today is Thinking Rightly About God, or Thinking Right About God. Now, we know that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is one God in three distinct persons. I have to be honest, I've never understood that. It might shock you. Uh, but the reason I don't understand that, I don't understand how one can be three, but I'm happy with not understanding that because I'm talking about God. 
but there are elements of that that I can understand. I can understand who the Father is, I can understand who the Son is, and I can understand who the Holy Spirit is. And I have to reconcile that those three distinct individuals are God. Now, as I grew up in church, there was some confusion because it was never explained to me in a way that I understood. And I don't know whether you've ever had this. Somebody think, who do I pray to? And I've been in churches and people pray, well, we pray to you, Jesus, Father, Lord God, Holy Spirit, and they're covering all the bases. And it means that we need to, to think rightly about God. Now, over the years, as I've read my Bible, it becomes quite clear. It becomes really clear who the Father is, who the Son is. It's very clear who the Holy Spirit is. But sometimes when we don't spend that time in reading, we miss that. Now, you might say, why is that important? It's important because if we don't understand the distinctives of those who are part of the Godhead, if we don't understand the difference between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, we might be asking and saying things that actually don't lead us anywhere. Let me give you an example. Acts 10.38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So we've got God the Father. He is the one who anointed Jesus and he anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. What was the effect of that? Well, the effect was that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, we could easily say, well, that was Jesus. But let me tell you, a reading of Acts says this was also the apostles. The disciples also went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. I was reading today that the apostle Paul, people had such faith that they would ask him to lay hands on a handkerchief. And when that handkerchief went back to the person, they were either healed or delivered from a demon. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Peter, his shadow. I mean, as he walked down the road, people desperately put the sick in his shadow. And when his shadow hit them, they got healed. I mean, come on. Do you want to see that? I want to see it. Now, the challenge is that Father, Son and Holy Spirit have been made interchangeable. But they're not interchangeable. Look at that. Thank you. I'll get some background music. <laughs> you know, over the years, Father, Son and Holy Spirit have been made interchangeable. They're not interchangeable. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus died on the cross. The Father did not die on the cross and the Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. It was Jesus's blood that was shed. That's important. Jesus died on the cross. Now, why this is so massively important is that if you look at church history, there are times in the history of the church where we have neglected certain truths about the Godhead and it's led to a deficient church. Let me give you an example of that. 
for many centuries, the church taught that the Holy Spirit was no longer active and that spiritual gifts were no longer active. And the result of it was that in the church and in the world, we didn't see any spiritual gifts at work. We saw no miracles, no power, nothing. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings that. Then in the early 1900s, late 1800s, we had a revival where the Holy Spirit came and people started to understand who he is and what he does. And in the 1960s and 70s, we had something called the charismatic movement, which was a renewal in understanding of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, there were spiritual gifts in the church. There were healings. There were miracles. All of those things were on the go. Why? Because people had thought rightly about God. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to be extremely careful because we are living in an age where those miracles seem to be disappearing again. Spiritual gifts seem to be disappearing again. And the only conclusion is that there is something missing in our understanding of how that should work. And I want to say to you this morning that we desperately need to understand the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on the Holy Spirit for a moment because the Holy Spirit in many ways is most important. Friend of mine, Bob Gordon, said the Holy Spirit is God in the present tense. What he means is this. Where is the Father? Well, he's up in heaven. Where is the Son? Well, he's up in heaven. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's down on earth. He is present with us. Anything that happens on this earth that is a move of God or a work of God is through the Holy Spirit. He is God down here with us. Now, there are scriptures I can uh, talk to you about that. Um, let me just find it. Sorry, I'm jumping around with my notes. Uh, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is not on the earth. Jesus came once. He lived as a man. He suffered, he was crucified, he died, he was raised from the dead, and the apostle all watched him go to heaven. And he says, if I go, it's better, because I'm going to send somebody like me, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, I find it really, really interesting that the biggest attack in Christendom and in the world is always on the Holy Spirit. And if we remove the Holy Spirit... From our faith and practice, we are left with nothing. Because Jesus said, I will send him and he will help you. And he does all kinds of stuff. He teaches us. We cannot understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit teaching us. There are no spiritual gifts if they don't come from the Holy Spirit. Can you see how in the dark ages the church was dark because it didn't understand all of this? We desperately need a revival of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around 
healing people, seeing them delivered, seeing them set free. And the interesting thing was that he only did it after the Holy Spirit came upon him. Think about that for a moment. Here's Jesus. You see, sometimes we are tempted to believe that because Jesus is God, part of the Godhead, that what he did, we can't do. That's not true. Did you know that? That is simply not true. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do what I have been doing and greater works will he do because I am going to the Father. What does that mean? I'm going to the Father and therefore the Holy Spirit will come and that same Holy Spirit is in me and doing the works through me and he will therefore do them through you. Why Jesus was so amazing was Jesus was the one who was so in tune with the Spirit, so obedient to the Spirit, that the flow of power was phenomenal. But we see that flow of power in Peter, we see it in Paul, we see it in Philip, we see it in a whole load of human beings. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you this morning. And not in a negative way. I want to challenge you positively that the Holy Spirit is available to you. You see, that there is this thing where we kind of say, oh, I can't do this. Let me tell you, none of us can. And when we get to the point where we recognize we can't do it, we have an opportunity of doing amazing things because it is not I, but Christ in me, as Paul says. Sometimes it's really difficult to grasp a hold of those things because we limit ourselves by our lack, by our inabilities, by our failures. You know, when we get to heaven and, and we get to talk to the apostles and, and they'll be horrified to say, man, you mean to say that for 2,000 years people were reading what I wrote? Go, oh no! Can you imagine a letter you write to a church becomes the scripture? It wasn't that it was Paul or Peter or John. It was the Holy Spirit at work. And if he can help these guys to write a letter, if he can help these guys to act in faith, he can help us. If, if we say to ourselves, well, I can't do it, yet in the flesh we can't. We can't do anything. But in faith, in the Holy Spirit, man, we can do anything. I mean, those of you who get, I've mentioned it a few times, the Heroes of the Faith magazine. I mean, I don't know how many years that's been going, but they've produced so many of those magazines. And when you look at the, the spectrum of men of God and women of God that they talk about, you begin to realize, I mean, half those guys in the human um, world were failures. They were not people who amounted to anything. They didn't have great education. They didn't have great social standing. They didn't have great financial prospects, but they knew that with the Holy Spirit, they could conquer the earth. And I want to encourage you this morning. You can do all things. There is no limit to what you can do with the Holy Spirit working in you. Absolutely no limit. Here's what Jesus said 
to his disciples. He ordered his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, guys, you may have gone out and done amazing things because they, remember, they went out as a 72 and they raised the dead, they healed the sick, they preached the gospel, they cast out demons. They went around with Jesus, they baptized people, did all of that. And when Jesus says, I'm about to go now, you need to wait. You see, they'd done it all under Jesus, but Jesus was going now and the era of the Holy Spirit was coming in. They had to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, the next verse down, next couple of verses. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then he says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and let me tell you, my friends, that is what we need. We need power. Man, we need power. Why do we need power? I'll tell you why we need power. Because power is the evidence. What makes Christianity any different from Islam or Sikhism or Hinduism or, I don't know, the, the, the um, atheist club or the secular society. What makes us any different is that we say that we represent God. That's what we're saying. As a band of people, we're saying God exists and we are representatives of God. And people quite rightly say, well, where's the evidence? Here's what Jesus said. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not believe me, believe because of the miraculous deeds themselves. Jesus did so many miracles and he said, hey guys, if you want proof that God has sent me, talk to that blind man who can see. Talk to that lame man who can walk. Talk to those lepers who've got clear skin. How is that possible unless God has sent me? I'll tell you, I'm exercised massively about healing because we need it. We need it. I've seen how one virus has sent the whole world spiraling into fear. We desperately need people to be healed. There are so many illnesses and sicknesses about. And Jesus said, the evidence for my authority are the miracles that I have done. The Apostle Paul says the same thing. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. 
The NIRV says this, I didn't preach my messages with clever and compelling words. Instead, my preaching showed the Holy Spirit's power. And you see, the early church, people got saved not because they gathered in big meetings. Yeah, they, they, they got saved because there was power. There was power available. I mean, Jesus often didn't know that people were drawing power out of him. The woman with the issue of blood is an amazing example because she got healed even before Jesus knew about it. He knew after, but she touched him and drew it out. Why? Because she had faith. And so here we are. We're an amazing bunch of people. We are called by God. Each one of us that professes to follow Jesus, we are called by God. We have an anointing by God. And what the devil will do is he will say repeatedly, ah, you don't have anything, you, you can't do anything, you're not worth anything, look at this failure, look at that failure. And I love the testimony that was shared um, by Natalie because it's about saying to ourselves, I am a child of God. That's it. A.W. Pink was a theologian many, many moons ago, and he wrote a book that I read, was very harrowing for me. It was called The Total Depravity of Man. And in the book, he made this argument. He said, if there is anything in my life that I think is good, that I think God doesn't need to touch, then there are aspects of my life that Jesus does not need to die for. He says, but the reality is, and we don't like to admit this, there is not one good thing in our lives. Not one. Everything is corrupted by sin. Everything, absolutely everything. And the older you get, the more you can put your hand up and say, I know what that corruption is all about. Maybe when you're younger and you have great willpower, but let me tell you, over the ages, the corruption of sin will destroy absolutely everything and anything. And his argument was, we need total salvation, 100% salvation. But here's the good news. That means I become 100% a new creation. And it's not dependent on my abilities and my skills. It's not dependent on my education or how my brain works. It is all dependent on me being dependent on the Holy Spirit. And it comes to us submitting to him and saying, hey, why don't you do it? Why don't you work in me? Why don't you work through me? It's about trusting completely in the Holy Spirit. Where I feel this is just, this is not God, this is not, this is what I think. I think where the church has gone wrong is that it's trying to serve God in the flesh. It's bringing in business principles. Yeah, it's bringing in a whole host of practices that have come in from the world that are based on human ability and human skills, and that is not what God is after. God says, I will build my church. And his church has always been built on different principles in different ways. And, you know, 
I, I really think it's about a total submission and trust in God. And we keep coming back to the Holy Spirit. And even today, the Holy Spirit gets attacked. Even today, people are saying, ah, the Holy Spirit, he just puts the odd thought into your mind when you read the Bible. The, you know, people don't want to give credence to the Holy Spirit being an individual that you can know, can speak to you and empower you. And I would say to you, that's exactly who he is. Let me share a scripture with you that we all know. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have you ever thought about that scripture? Grace comes from Jesus Christ because he died for our sin and so grace comes from Jesus. God loves us. That's his distinctive. He is a God of love. We read that through. God is love. His distinctive is he loves us. He hatched the plan to save us because he loves us. And when he sent Jesus and Jesus died, Jesus makes grace available. What is grace? Grace is God's empowering presence that you can do everything that God has commanded you to do. That's grace. How does it come? Because Jesus exchanges your life with his life and with his life you can do anything. But then it says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. How many of you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? You know, Moses and Abraham, you know, these guys fellowship with God. Enoch, he walked with God, he fellowshiped. In the Garden of Eden, Adam, he fellowshiped with God in the cool of the day. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you today that what we need to recognize is that we can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's God in the present tense. He's down here on this earth and he says, hey, Simon, I'm waiting. And when I open my Bible, the Holy Spirit is there. And when I ask for wisdom, the Holy Spirit is there. And when I'm out in the street and I need to pray for someone, the Holy Spirit is there. And when I need a gift of healing, the Holy Spirit is there. And when I need a word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit's there. When I need a gift of faith, the Holy Spirit's there. It is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The one who sticks to you closer than a brother. He is with you constantly all the time. I mean, come on, how can two guys, I mean, this is two guys who have been sharing the gospel, seeing loads of people saved, and then they get arrested. They are beaten badly with sticks. They're put in an inner prison in the stocks and they start praising God. I mean, they must have been insane. Or the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was with them. And I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is with you. Some of us may well be martyred for our faith like John was. But Peter wasn't. When he was in a similar situation, an angel kicked him in the side while he was in the prison. He said, hey, get up. And he thought he was in a trance. So he got up. The chain, I mean, it must have been phenomenal. The chains fell off. Shackles fell off. The doors opened, he went to the city and they closed the door at night and the gates opened and swung closed. I mean, you know, you see all these doors that automatically open in our shops. Well, Peter had it first. <laughs> and then the angel disappears. He goes, wow. The Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, I'm glad I'm a Pentecostal. 
Because I passionately believe that the Holy Spirit, we need to fellowship with him. I'm not on about denigrating part of the Godhead and lifting one part off. They are all interlinked. They are all equal. They are all God. But the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus sent. I will send you. He will be a helper. I mean, that word helper, if you think back in the Garden of Eden, God said to man, I will make you a helper. Can you imagine that helper that you marry, that you never fellowship with them, that you never talk to them, that you never get their help? And I want to say to you this morning, the Holy Spirit is here. And he's saying, I am your helper. I'm there. Whatever you face, I'm your helper. I'm your go-to guy. I'm the first one you come to. Think, well, why would I go to him? Well, he's the guy who was hovering over the waters at the very beginning, and he did all the stuff. He's the one who the kings, when they were filled with the Spirit and prophesied, it was the Spirit. So I want to encourage you today, man. God wants you to be so full of the Holy Spirit that you say, yeah, he can do it. You know, the picture I have in many ways is the one of a father and a child, and we're the child. And when we're with dad, man, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. I remember years ago when I was a lot younger, I had a younger brother, and my parents, they took us up Snowden. I don't know how far we got up, but my younger brother just couldn't do it. Yeah. So my dad picked him up and carried him all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. Now, he damaged his hand. It was, you know, he's, he's always had a problem with his arm because of that. But the, the point I'm trying to make is our father, you know, the Holy Spirit with us. He is the one who will carry us through. He will supply that need. We might say, yeah, we want to get to the top of Snowden. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I'll pick you up. Let's go. I want to see somebody healed. I really pray for that person. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Now, there is a slight catch. How do we build that relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, the first is we need to spend time with him. You know, I've noticed that when Jocelyn and I spend time, just her and I, not talking about the kids, not talking about work, not talk, just her and I, there is something in our relationship that deepens. We need to spend time with God. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will de declare to you the things that are to come. Wow, he'll tell you what's coming. Number two, we need a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can't emphasize this enough. I've already read the scriptures about you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need to ask, and we read that scripture today, you know, if... if on earth, evil fathers can give good gifts to their children. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We need to ask. And I want to implore you to every day be asking, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. Fill me. Don't let me go out that door without being equipped with the Spirit. 
And then the last one is obedience. This is a scripture that's always spoken to me from many years ago when I first read it in Acts 5. And the apostles are saying this, we are witnesses to these things, all the stuff that God has done. We are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You obey God and the Holy Spirit is given to you to equip you and to empower you for all that you need to do. And so I want to encourage you today. The reason Jesus left and sent the Spirit is he can multiply what can be done on the earth. With one Jesus physically present on the earth, he can only do things in one location and reach maybe five or 10,000 people at a time. But all of a sudden, in this room, we have 60, 70 people who can all be used by God. You all have different friends, different neighbours, different um, people that you meet when you go out to the shops. We're all connected differently, and yet in that place is the potential for the Holy Spirit to work and to break through and to do something and to, to do a miracle in whatever situations you find. And you multiply that by the many thousands of churches across the world, and it's truly an amazing thing. And so I want to pray this morning. I want to pray that we would recognize our need for the Holy Spirit, that we would be hungry to see the Holy Spirit work in and through us to touch people's lives. Let's pray for a moment. I wonder if I could ask you if you're able to just stand with me for a minute. Father, we, we come this morning. And Father, we acknowledge that of ourselves, we can do nothing. We just, we just agree with what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we know that you have given the Holy Spirit so that your church would be empowered. And I ask this morning, Father, according to your word, who gives good gifts, that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit today. That you'd come upon our minds and upon our hearts today. If you've never done it, why don't you ask, or if you have and you feel like that something's been missing, why don't you ask in your heart or out loud and say, Holy Spirit, would you fall on me? Father, would you give me the promise of the Holy Spirit? Father, we acknowledge that we need your Spirit. We acknowledge that we need him and we ask for him today as a church. I want to pray today that as we go into this week, that we would go in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I want to pray especially for those that disqualify themselves. Who am I? I'm nobody. Father, would you help us to see that you love us? And in your love, you have said, I will give you everything that you need. You don't need to bring anything of your own. I will give you everything. I will give you the words. I will give you the thoughts. I will give you the power. I will give it all to you. It comes from me. And so, Father, the gift that I pray for today is the gift of faith. Give us that gift of faith that we can trust you in every circumstance of life. 
Give us a reflex that we would turn to you in any crisis, in any time of need. And Father, help us, I pray. And so, Father, I ask, would you move through this building by your spirit? Would you touch each person? Would you uh, give what they need today? And would you make us more and more hungry for the spirit? Would you help us to seek you, Father, to spend time and to be in fellowship with the spirit? And so, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And I pray that you would encounter us afresh in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. God bless.